0: And you know, today I don't I don't have like a direct um, te- I don't have a teaching for you, but I do have some passages that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart. And you know, some out of some of it out of where we are personally as a family, and where we are as a church, and then I think about the church collective, the whole body of Christ. You know, think nothing feels normal right now. You know, there are some things that feel normal. There are a lot of parts of our lives, those of us that. You know, can can roll with the punches, so to speak. Things change, and we can adapt and move on. It doesn't really weigh us down all that much. You know, mo- I think most people uh, in in this environment are experiencing it that way. You know, <clears throat> but then I think about people that aren't experiencing it that way. I think about the people that are legitimately losing their businesses and losing their jobs and watching. You know, I've been t- teaching on the the idea of Jesus' parable about the coming of the kingdom and end time and the wheat and the tares, you know, the wheat and the weeds growing together. And there seems to be a lot of weeds growing, you know. From the beginning of time, the enemy and the dark spiritual forces out there that Jesus has stripped of power have been trying to enslave mankind. Whether it be through secret societies or overt global rulers or whatever, you know. However deep down that rabbit hole you want to go on YouTube and find your favorite conspiracy theory... Trust me, there are plenty of them out there. And a lot of them are real. And and I get people messaging me all the time, and they're like, well, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? And look at this. And, you know, they're doing this. And it's like, well, they probably are. They probably are. Evil people do evil things. And it's going to happen. But what are you going to focus on? The plans of the enemy or the victory of God? Which one do you want filling your mind and your heart? It's not that we stick our head in the sand and ignore that stuff. Because there might be things that we have to do and make decisions and deal with that kind of stuff, right? And and if it becomes overt and obvious, then we talk about it openly. Right now, you know, we're just watching and see. Just watch and see. Pay attention. Keep your heart sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Keep sin out of your life so that your heart is soft toward God. You know, that's one of the biggest reasons to stay out of sin. It destroys your relationship with God. Not on God's end, on your end. God's looking at you going, oh man, I really, I've set you free from that already. You don't have to struggle with that stuff. I love you. This is who you are. I've, I've, I've removed the penalty of what you're doing and I've given you healing and righteousness in, in Christ. Live worthy of it so that you can enjoy our relationship and experience the power of being saved rather than constantly struggling with guilt and con- a sin conscience, Right? That's why you live free from sin, and there's plenty of grace. There's way more grace available than there is opportunity for sin. We just don't know necessarily how to choose and assimilate grace. It's like you got the apple or the brownie. Which one are you going for? you going for the brownie. Maybe not. You go for the apple. I know. I'm going for the brownie. You know, it's like sin or grace. Which one do you want? Which one do you want producing fruit in your life? It's a choice. Amen? That has nothing to do with where I thought I was going today. So I'm trying to calculate. Let me just start with a couple of passages here, what I feel like the Lord laid before we get into that. Um, You know, I'm I'm just thinking about where we are in our time in history, where we are as a body where we are personally as a family, is my family, it's a beautiful family, isn't them? They're, I love, they're on the front row today. Everybody look at them, they love it when everybody looks at them. <laughs> Reese might need a pillow, but we're good to go. <laughs> there was a bust, <clears throat> sorry. Which by the way, Reese leveled uh, varsity as a sophomore on the shotgun team this All year, right. so praise God. We just had State down in Savannah and he m- hit all enough uh, goals to be on the varsity team. So that's pretty cool. Exciting for him. Um, don't mess with Reese. Me. <laughs> so so all, all of this is rolling around in my head and I do have a clear ending to this, but I'm kind of trying to land a few different planes at once because I'll I tell you what, here's what's going on with me. Let me just start there. This is our second Christmas without mom. But last year, you know, you're in shock that first year. Those of us that lost people close to us, you know, that first year, you're, you're kind of just in shock. And you don't really realize it and you, you know, you kind of get through it. But this year, it's like, oh, man, you, you feel it coming. You know, you feel it coming. And so you, 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 you have to process through that. And then you realize, I've been a little bit ignorant of what people go through. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us don't know the pain of losing someone that close. You know, it's it's an age thing. You know, you get to a certain age and then you start experiencing those kinds of things. And and it's like I pray that as the church lives more, we become more sensitive and more aware to what people are actually going through. It's very easy to be just in our own worlds, and our own bubbles. And I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm just trying to call us into this realm of the church on the planet is God's strategy right now to bring people to Jesus for healing and comfort and peace. And the joy that we walk in in the face of those kinds of things is a testimony to people that don't have hope. Those of your loved ones and friends and coworkers that don't know Jesus and they don't have hope. and they, what, Can you imagine going through life without Jesus? I mean what do you do? I've preached a bunch of funerals and I just think about that every time. I know that I, I know that there are people sitting in those congregations that don't know Jesus and it's like, man, I just want you to know, you know. But we on the we on this planet have an opportunity as the body of Christ to show people you know the love of God. So I think about that missing mom. I watch my brother struggling with this kind of stuff who's, you know, kind of alone in the process. We get calls a lot. You know, Adam could probably tell you how many. I don't know, but there, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that are paying attention online and that email us. This is not a woe is me. Please trust me. We're good. Uh, but I want to give you some insight about the kind of ministry that we get to be involved in and then call us all to it collectively into our own into our own Spheres of influence because there are people struggling that need you to be joyful so that you have something to give them. Now, I'm not talking about a codependent relationship where you are the Holy Spirit for them. I'm talking about where you are processing through whatever it is that you're processing through in such a way. You know, I think of Andrea. Andrea's writing songs that bring that are a testimony to other people about Jesus. You know, I mean, praise God for the joy of the Lord that you know, Andrea, because it is inspiring to watch you, even though our hearts are broken with you. you know, And one day she's going to get up here and testify, and it's, we're all going to go through an entire box of Kleenexes, but it's like, praise God, because that little girl is dancing in heaven. Can you imagine her first Christmas in heaven? She gets to literally say, happy birthday to Jesus. Whew. Sorry, just kind of hit me on that. So I'm thinking about this one woman too who watches our our messages online and she's been you know, listening to the podcast and she's actually a supporter of the ministry. She doesn't have a church that focuses on the new covenant. So she calls this place her church. And so last December, December 5th, I just spoke to her a couple days ago. So it's fresh in my mind, but last December, um, her husband had a stroke. Basically the whole right side of his body's She's not using the word paralyzed, but he can't really use it. So they've had to put him in a nursing home since December last year. Can't really move. He's got the brain fog from the stroke. And so she was going in. They're trying to figure out how they're going to take care of him and what life is going to look like for them, you know. And so then COVID hits. And so since March of this year, she hasn't touched him. She hasn't actually been able to physically go into the nursing home to be with him. And then I think about the thousands and maybe millions of stories of, of, of that type of thing going on. I know this sounds dark and heavy, but it's the reality of the world and remembering what our assignment is on this planet, right? So I think about her, and so what she does is every day she goes to the nursing home and stands outside the window and calls him and looks inside the window to him sitting in there in the wheelchair. And, you know, can you imagine? I mean, trying to lift him up and pray for him or just connect in some way. Well, so now she's sick, and so she can't go down there. She's, you know, seasonal stuff acting up. And I'm, I'm like, man, I'm thinking about that. I'm yeah. thinking about people like that while I'm praying before service and while I'm preparing these messages during the week. I'm thinking about what people are going through. And, and, I, and, I, and I think we all really think about that on certain levels. We're all part of the body of Christ, right? I mean I'm I'm looking at Donna, you know. I'm thinking Michael is having a blast up there, but we miss him. You know, we miss people. Tomorrow's the first anniversary. The first anniversary. Wow. Yeah. So so last year that first Christmas you're just in shock. This one's probably harder as it is. You no, know, different experience. Well, from you. you know, I'm just I love the fact that we said our hope, you know. He's our hope. Trying to comfort me by saying, things the memories." Right now I don't want them. Leave the past. Yeah. I want to go forward. Amen. And yeah, he's having a blast. He's having a blast. He, he exit when, before all this mess happened. It, <laughs> it would be. It would be him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then I also think about these babies being born and people discovering the goodness of God for the first time and being set free. And then we get to sow into Kenya and all these people getting born again and baptized and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the joy of the Lord in the midst of darkness. You know, I'm telling you, one of, some of my favorite testimonies are people who discover their identity in Christ, live that identity out in front of people that are watching them, and then it causes them to start asking questions, you know. I love that. The kind of evangelism that I love the most is watching someone get set free, watching their life get transformed, and that other people... You know, and, 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 and not necessarily having a pocket full of tracks and going to those people and saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus now. Praise God for that too. But it's like they change. The, the, the fruit of God in their lives shows people. That's the most powerful testimony that we have. It's how we walk through things. I, you know, Jim, I'm looking at Jim. Praise God, show Jim a little bit of love. He's back with us and just went through surgery. Jim's laying in the hospital. Uh, by the way, when I first saw that video, I'm like, oh, buddy, here comes. I thought you were all doped up on pain meds and we were going to get some kind of weird video. But I was in tears by the end of what you posted on, on the internet because you were in there facing surgery. You know, didn't really know what was going on at the time. And you're showing a video of the sunset and you're thinking about Andrea and then you're thinking about ministering to people. Praise God for that, you know. That kind of stuff speaks to people. It's real. And why? Because we have a hope. But So I have two things I want to make a point on today is we get to help each other have hope. And man, oh man, has the enemy not done a good job of dividing us in the church. I would say the greatest weapon the enemy uses in your own heart and mind against other people is your past. Your experiences, your expectations that are associated through where you've been in life, and then you roll up into somebody else's life with all your baggage, and then this person disappoints you. Hello. I think we all need to make a pact toward each other, and that is you leave your baggage at the door and just burn it. Burn that stuff out there. Don't bring it in. You know what I mean? I I get it. We've been hurt by our past churches. We've been hurt by our past experiences. We're humans. You know This place is not going to be for you everything you want it to be. I certainly won't be, but that's why our hope is in Jesus. I love what Jesse said. We're all here because we love one person. And then because we respond to His love for us, we spread that out to each other. And I pray that that develops into a healthy relationship so that we model to the world what following Jesus really looks like. Amen? So a couple passages here. Let's look at the, the first one, if you'll follow me along there, Philip. This is Hebrews 10, 13. Let us lay hold unswervingly. Unswervingly. I like that word. Reese is learning to drive right now. he's like I came to church I sat in the front row we drove last night to pick him up a hamburger unswervingly was not in the vocabulary that night (laughs) only once only once it was dark and raining so I you know anyway let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess so what's the hope you know this is the hope that we have is the gospel The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Chris, will you bump that air down one? I see people getting sleepy. Let's freeze it out in here. Is it warm, you, but it's a little stuffy? It's stuffy in here. Yeah, we'll cool it down. So, all right. Hebrews 10 23. Let us lay hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Go go back to that for a minute. You know, you're hearing somebody tell you stories about their in-laws or their spouse or their kids. What kind of stories are you going to tell them? What, What are you going to spur them on to? To deepen the hurt and the pain or good works toward that person? That's one of the most difficult things that I encounter is when people call me and they're complaining about somebody that they have justifiable reason to complain about. And then I'm telling them, when's the last time you prayed for them? Are you going to give up on them? I mean, what do you want me to do? You want me to crawl in the ditch with you and commiserate and say, just go ahead and destroy it? Or do you want me to give you some hope? Because there's always hope. I don't care what the situation is. What are we going to be for people? Are we going to be commiserators or are we jump down in there with them or are we going to lift them up? In a a real way, you know what I mean? In a real way that's like, no, I, I really do have hope that Jesus can change anything. It might not change, but I have hope that it can. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Not everything's going to work out the way you want it to. We have promises from God that if we can walk in... Life is like heaven on earth, but the paradox of that is in this world you're going to have tribulation, right? It doesn't always work out the way we want it to because people have choices. Our hearts don't respond to those promises and grab a hold of what God is offering. But that doesn't mean we say the promises aren't real, but we hold on to them nonetheless, no matter what happens in this life. It didn't come on yet, so I'm not sure. Maybe check it again if you want. Um, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But that's a can of worms. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So not giving up meeting together. First off, number one, we ain't closing no matter what. ain't going to close. I don't care what happens. We can all get locked up together. Or y'all can watch me get carried out if it comes to that. But we ain't closing. We'll, we'll, we, we're, we're trying to be as safe as possible. If you have symptoms, if you, you know, just be smart, protect yourself, protect others, uh, but also look at the numbers and let's, let's follow God. Amen? Amen? But I'm not closing. I stand on the First Amendment. I stand on what God's put in my heart. We ain't closing. So aside from that, the opportunity that we get to have coming together to lift each other up. Well, if I really want to go to church, well, you know. I pray that you are for someone what you want to get out of church. I pray that you come ready to give as much as you come ready to receive. Amen? It's a relationship. You know, I hear people talking about Not receiving from God and being confused. Well, if you made these promises, then why am I not experiencing these promises? And it's like, well, are you engaged in the process? Are you engaged in the relationship? Think about any relationship. If it's one-sided, the other party, God's not going to lose interest, but you have to be receptive. If somebody loves you, but you don't love them, you're not going to be open to what they have for you. That's how it is with God. That kind of went in a different direction there, but I'm just talking about the body being the body. Now, let's jump over to the next one in Galatians 5. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, we'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something, anybody think they're something? Anybody know somebody that thinks they're something? Pride, I mean, let me just tell you, pride comes before a fall. You can, you can see it coming. I was going to look at Lyle over here, but he ain't over there. Why was I going to look at him? I don't know. I just—I guess I wanted to see him over there. I don't know. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. That, that's really a whole other message, but keep going. The bearing one another bird. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Man, get a hold of that. You know, bearing each other's burdens... Think about what he's saying here. A lot of times we compare ourselves to each other because we look at them and we're either jealous or envious. You you can pull that down. We're either jealous jealous or envious in some way. Or we're prideful. So we compare ourselves to each other out of envy or jealousy or pride. Oh, I could never have what they have. Or they ain't nothing compared to me. But the solution to that, if you struggle with comparing yourself to people, one side or the other, the solution is bearing one another's burdens. Do you have those people in your life that just absolutely rub you the wrong way and you don't feel like you can connect with them and you, they're out of touch and it's like they, they don't? When's the last time you prayed for them, put yourself in their shoes to understand what they were going through not from your perspective, but from their perspective. That happens a lot. You hear people's stories, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't know. Especially Facebook culture, social media culture. Somebody posts one thing, and then somebody else comes on and thinks that they know everything about your life from then on, and they say something... That just invalidates where you are and all of the meaning that came into what you just posted, and you feel robbed as if, how dare you? You don't know me. Anybody ever been there? You ever been looking at your computer going, you don't know me? <laughs> is it just me? <laughs> Bearing one another's burdens, identifying with other people taking yourself out of your own mindset and looking at them. You know, that, that's Jesus. That's why Jesus can comfort us, because He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In every way, like we are, He was tempted, yet without sin. God intentionally emptied Himself and put Himself into your life in your shoes. He knows... Everything you're going through, He knows every weird thought you have. He knows every secret struggle that you think no other person on the planet deals with. All of those weird little things that we keep in the closet, right? All of that stuff, He knows. He's been there. He struggled with all of it. But He overcame it. Why? Because He's a good and faithful high priest and can minister to you out of it. When God shows up into your life and manifests seeking to minister to you, you might feel a conviction because when you encounter truth, you're going to, you're, oh, it, it's, it's exposed. You feel naked. You're like, oh, this is, I don't like this, right? You encounter truth, it's going to be like that, but He's doing it from a place of, hey, look, I already know. Nothing to be embarrassed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. I've been there. I've been human. And on that cross, I became Everything. Everything that mankind... Jesus became sin. Jesus didn't just wear it. You know, it wasn't like He just got punished for it. You know, so in other words, it wasn't like Jesus was hanging on that cross perfect and then God punished Him on our behalf. No, He put into Him our sin, almost as if it changed His nature. You know, I mean, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but it says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become righteous. He exchanged, he, he was, you know, he passed from that cross into the lower parts of the earth, into Hades, into the abode of the wicked. Why? Well, to destroy that place... Every place that could have power over mankind, Jesus passed into to destroy its power over mankind. But what got him in that place is the sacrificial process of the high priest in that moment, God taking the sin of the nation of... So like in Yom Kippur, they would bring two goats before for the uh, one day, day of atonement sin offering for the nation of Israel. And the high priest himself, who wouldn't normally do these types of things, but the high priest himself brought the sacrifice and then symbolically would transfer the sin from the nation of Israel onto the goat and would lay hands on this goat and like press. There was a pressing that would happen as if he was pressing the sin into this goat symbolically. We, the real thing, God pressed all of our sin, the whole world, into Jesus. God's not coming at you with judgment. May we do the same for others. May we treat others the way that God treated us. While we were dead in our sin, Christ died for us. That doesn't mean you excuse people's sinful behavior. That doesn't mean you stay in an abusive, neglectful relationship. You know, I understand. I'm not talking about you being some codependent doormat that you don't stand up for yourself. But may we approach people the way that God approached us, not with the eyes of judgment. Well, let me tell you. And man, I'm telling who is the best at judgment? That's us Christians. Not you guys. You guys are loving and peaceful. But that's what the body of Christ is known for, is it not? I mean, the solution that Jesus gave us is to go into the world, loving one another turning that love toward others so that the world will believe. Is the love that the church is showing the world causing people to believe right now? I don't see it. Not a lot. I mean, you know, places maybe in Kenya. I don't want to be that hard on the church. It's happening a lot. It is. It's a very loving bunch of people. <laughs> it's a paradox. paradox. So, so how do we refine ourselves down into this, that we're conduits where we can, you know, we we come in, we encourage each other, we're built up. And not just this place, you know. I mean, it's like I love church. I love to get to, I love to uh, express my role that God's placed me in the body of Christ. I want you to step into your role, you know, as much as that, whatever that looks like, let's work on it. Um, It's not a perfect process, but that's what I wanted to see happen but then how do you refine how do you keep your heart protected and guarded how do you how do you not get hardened by the the corporatism that you see with christmas and the 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 the, the rigged elections that you see i'll just say it the 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 the, the control and the ah uh, you know it's like we should look at that stuff and say eh, it makes sense it's the world doing what the world does It's the enemy trying to enslave mankind, and these are his tools, and these are his weapons. And to whatever degree it is, it's happening. There's corruption on every level of mankind's institutions. You can bet on it. But there's the love of God. There's the church of Christ in this planet to show people who He is in spite of all that stuff. In spite of all that stuff, right? And I'm not trying to frame everything to get you to think that way. But well, let, me, let me end on this one because I believe this is a solution for us, and I want, this, I want you to remember this as you're walking it out. Because I know I've talked to a lot of you, and we're all in a lot of the same places. We're struggling with the paradox of the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. The, you know, and, that, and that manifests on all different kind of levels, in your family, in politics, in government, in business and, you know, that, that that mindset of the wheat and the tares, there's good and bad and everything on this planet. And which one are you going to focus on? So how do you focus on what you want to focus on? And I just feel like the Lord was saying this. So I love this. This is Jesus. And this is Jesus. Um, he told his disciples, go down to Jerusalem. You guys go down and celebrate the feasts. I'm not coming because it's not yet my time. And then he shows up. Secretly, kind of privately, meets with them. And then this happens. And I just think it's because he just couldn't help himself. You know, he just, he's just getting out there. So on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, I'm not calling Jesus a hypocrite, but even Jesus changed directions. Meaning, he told them, I'm not coming. You guys go down there. Then he shows up. Then he stands up in the middle of everybody and starts proclaiming he's the Messiah, essentially. It's okay for you to change your mind. Anyway, this is what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Leave it on that for just a moment. This is what I want us to think about. We are thirsty. When we're looking at the world and we don't know what the truth is, you're thirsty. When you're looking at your marriage and you feel mmm, you're thirsty. When you're looking in the mirror and you feel mmm, you're thirsty, right? So what are you going to do? All right, so if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Leave it on that one just for a moment. Now think about that for just a moment. Let a visual be built. What does this mean for you? If you're thirsty, come to me. I will give you something to drink. Now, the drink doesn't come externally, right? Where does it come from? Because He's going to feed you and nourish you and give you something to drink where? Out of your heart which is directly connected to His Spirit. You know, this is a secret of Christianity that I think a lot of Christians don't realize. The nourishment and the strength that you need in your inner man comes from God within you. Now, we externally get to be loving to each other. We get to encourage each other, counsel, get in each other's faces sometimes if need be. Say, hey man, you know, what are you thinking? That's not right. Whatever it looks like. We approach each other to help each other step out of sin. But ultimately, you got to realize what you're doing is you're trying to help that person clear the way so that they connect with God inwardly. It's not your word that's going to bring salvation to them, it's your word confirming what God is doing in them that's going to bring salvation to them. Any word that you get, if you've ever been in a highly prophetic culture and there's words going around, and I don't, sorry, I don't mean to get negative about that. I just see so much abuse in it. Y'all forgive me. I should probably ask them for forgiveness. Y'all are looking at me like I'm hungry. Keep going. You are not the Holy Spirit for people. It's not up to you to fix people's problems. But it is up to you to be loving to them and tell them the truth. We we don't have the luxury of just checking out. Well, God will take care of it. Well, maybe He wants to take care of it through a seed that He's going to plant through you. It's, it's just, it's so simple, but we take ourselves out of, the, out of the way. Like, you didn't do this, but I'm just making the point about Jesse sat there and it's like, you know, I just got this word, feels like it's for me, but it ministered to us, right? The one thing that you said, I will never forget that. We're all here because we love one person. Honestly, I will never forget that. That is so powerful. So whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, can you turn your heart to Jesus to the degree that rivers of living water flow out? Do you know how to do that? When do you do it? A lot of times what we do is we struggle with sin or somebody offends us or we get all tweaked out about something we watched on the internet or we you know, we watch the media or politics right now. There's plenty to rob and steal our joy. Or you... Have a burden of what watching what other people are going through and experiencing. Can you turn your heart toward him? You know, I, I imagine it as if there's water inside of you, and your heart has to align to where that water is going to come out of, and then it's released. It's not you're looking for God. God, send me some rain. God, please show up. Where are you? God, send revival. God, go over there and touch their hearts. Like no, look. Internally, what if every single Christian on the planet turned their heart toward the Lord, were strengthened in that moment from Him, and then moved toward the world out of that, out of that river of living water? That's the reason we don't know how to experience the joy of God. That's the reason we sit in depression and something externally has to happen. We either turn toward the bottle or we watch something we shouldn't watch or we go hang out with people that are not good for us or we... Waste money because we're looking for these externals. It's like, no, what you need is that river of life that comes out of your heart. And the condition of your heart is going to determine the degree to which you allow that river to flow into your life, meaning the condition, how receptive are you to God's Word, which is why you've got to constantly plant the Word in your mind, in your, in your mouth, speaking that Word. You know, we talked a few weeks ago, get a Bible app that plays, and listen to it. If you're not sitting down and reading it every day, that's okay. Read it as much as you can, but listen to it also. Just keep it active and alive. Keep that seed in there. Keep the ground toiled or tilled up, you know, so that you're letting that Spirit flow. You're not hindering what the Spirit wants to do through you. And I think there's one more passage on that one. Now this He said about the Spirit, and this is just right after the one about rivers of living water coming out of your heart. Now this He said about the Spirit... Whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, but we have the Spirit. Do you have the Spirit? Which, by the way, you don't get born again, and then at some other point got to get the Spirit. That's not the way it works. You get born again, you get all of God. Now, whether or not you yield to the, the baptism of the Spirit is your choice. And honestly, I think turning your heart toward Him to let those rivers of living water come out of you is experiencing the ongoing promise of the baptism of the Spirit. So you don't get saved and then there's a second blessing or you catch the Spirit. I don't know. You know I didn't grow up Pentecostal, so I don't know all the terms for it. But the, if, you, if you said yes to Jesus, God has joined Himself to you. His Spirit is in you in full. You are complete in Him, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Jesus, and Jesus is in you. Therefore, the fullness of the Godhead is in you, in essence, in spirit. Anything that you ever need from God is already in you because God is in you. You are the temple of the living God on this planet. Back under the old covenant, the Spirit of God would be in that Holy of Holies. You are the moving Holy of Holies on this planet. The Spirit of God is in you. God did a work in you with the blood of Christ to remove that root of sin from you, put in a root of righteousness within you, and give you a new heart that knows how to commune in that area, knows how to have a relationship with that spirit rather than relate to it from a legalistic, law-based perspective. Yes, we endeavor to live worthy and righteously of what we've been given, but the work is finished. So when you're dealing with life and when you're dealing with people and you're dealing with all that stuff, do you know how to stop? I'm going to lay down my judgment. I'm going to lay down my worry. I'm going to lay down my fear. I'm going to turn toward the Spirit. And then however it happens for you, maybe mystical, maybe practical, whatever, that's the joy that you get to experience of working it out. But God is pouring His love into you, out of His Spirit, in you so that you will experience strength in your inner man to bring you to a place of wholeness that nothing in this world can take away from you, especially in this season right now. And it's in you. And I pray that we remind each other that it's there and that we're encouraging to one another and that the body of Christ wakes up and realizes that's our greatest weapon. And love and encouragement is our greatest weapon. That's the greatest gifts you can I mean, you know, you think of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If I can do all these things, if I can discern all mysteries and all these things, but if I don't have love, then I'm nothing. I don't want to be a nothing church. I want to be a loving church that, 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 that waves his banner of truth, that knows how to... Sh- I, want, I, want to see, I want the whole body to see how powerful we are because we know how to yield to His Spirit within inside of us in a real way. Now for you it might mean you take a particular scripture and I'm thinking about Bethany. Bethany had these cards when she was giving birth, had these promises written out on it and she would take those and read them while she was giving birth. And, and it's like I could feel the power in it. She showed me I was flipping through them and I read them. I'm like, man, this is something real that she did. She's going through giving birth without medication and what she did was look at the promises of God and flip through them. Wow. That's not just a Christian cute little exercise that you stick a sticky note on your, <laughs> on your mirror. That's, that's for real. Can, can we do that? Can we yield to the written Word of God to the point that it becomes a living Word of God for us and rivers of life flow from our hearts to sustain us? Amen? Praise God. So I'm done, but I'm thinking, "Happy birthday, Linda!" Right? You just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Linda. Mike and Tracy's anniversary. So now I'm just thinking about people. Where are they? They ditched us for a, a fun weekend. <laughs> this is what happens. It's like their Norton's flowing, and then when I'm done, my brain falls out. But I'm just excited to watch the body be the body. Moving into January, I really feel like what the Lord was saying is... and and, um, Callie was talking about it this morning, going back to the foundation. I feel like going into uh, January, one of the things that we want to do is really just drill down in on the gospel. What is the gospel? And we have... I I would love for everybody to read the gospel of peace. Most of you have it already. Most of you have read it already, but we're going to talk about going through it again in January, maybe even a little bit into February. On Wednesday nights, we're going to come in for all who want to come in and we're going to discuss it. So as a church, we'll just read through that book together. It's broken up into very small chapters. It's easy to read and just talk about the gospel and talk about what does that look like? I I want to be so rock solid in my knowledge and understanding of the gospel so that when I when God taps on my heart to minister to somebody, I can give them the gospel. I love watching those Ray Comfort, The Way of the Master videos where he just walks people through. And ultimately, I do things a little bit differently, you know. But anyway, he's got his thing. He's led way more people to Jesus than I have, so it's working for him. But anyway, I just want to be, I want, and I want us to be so solid on the gospel that we're ready to have an answer and a word and a relevant meaningful response that we know the Scripture that supports the gospel. And, and so that'll be the first part of the year, January into February. And then, like I said, come in on Wednesdays and chat about it and read it together. It'll be good. So we have a bunch of those books. We'll start pulling those out. If you can't afford it, we'll give you the book. It's, it's fine. Um, those people watching online, you can get it on Amazon if you want to do it with us. I don't know if we're going to live stream the Wednesdays or not, but... All right, let's stand up. Let's just put our attention back on the Lord. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity. We thank You for salvation. We thank You that in this season, we get to remember Your plan, what You did for us. You became a human, limited in every way like we are, yet without sin, entered our humanity so that we could enter Your divinity. We are co-heirs with You. You have made us great and precious promises, so that we could be partakers of Your divine nature. What a promise, Father. And as we experience that, we we stay focused on the fact that You live inside of us. Father, we are committed to letting Your Spirit strengthen us inwardly so that the world doesn't drag us down, but then we can be a light in this world also. I give You my let this be Your prayer. I give You my heart and I give You my life to be used by you to be a spreader of your gospel in this earth in every situation. In every situation, I want to be ready and receptive to be used by you to plant even the tiniest gospel seed, even the tiniest gospel seed, and then trust that your Spirit will work from there. Oftentimes, people have not heard the gospel, and we want to be agents to give them the gospel. Father, we are committing to... You know, it feels like 2020 was the year of bad news. I say 2021 is the year of good news. In that, we're going to spread the gospel. Amen. We're not going to spread the COVID. We're going to spread the gospel. Father, I speak life and blessing over every single person in this room. I thank you that your spirit is giving life to our physical bodies. Father, I thank you that you are teaching our immune systems to function the way that they were supposed to function. Lord, I thank you that you're leading and guiding us in dietary choices for what each one of us need, because that's part of the process, that we, we apply wisdom with our food choices. We apply wisdom with our emotional choices. We apply wisdom with our finances. Father, thank you that we glorify you in our choices. Thank you for health and life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.